This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to the first show of season two of Go To Grandma. I'm so excited to be starting a new season with you, Zoomer Radio, and my title sponsor, RBC. We have an exciting array of new guests for the season, plus we check in with some favorite grandparents and experts from season one. The more I do this show, the more I realize we have loads left to cover. So for season two, I'm starting at the beginning, and the beginning of any grandparent-grandchild relationship is anticipating the birth of the baby and then helping out with the newborn. And who knows better whether a grandparent has been helpful or not than the parent of the new grandchild. This is especially true if it's my daughter, the mom of my two grandsons. Tori Halpin comes back on the show to talk about how grandparents can truly help with a newborn grandchild, whether it's the first one or any more afterwards. Are we ever too old to throw in a mom brag about our kids? I'm going to say no and tell you that Tori has about 120,000 followers on Instagram as she charts her intentional parenting experience and philosophies with my grandsons, Owen and Cam. You should check that out. More, more, and more information, More Than Grand, is the name of a website which was founded by Grandma Dee Dee Moore. Dee Dee and I share many of the same grandparenting philosophies, which we share between each other on Instagram on the regular. The Gram on the regular. Who am I? Dee Dee has developed a terrific new grandchild checklist, which she is going to take us through today, and it's available on her website, of course. But before you go online to do that, do you have any digital assets of your own? Well, if you send emails, post on Facebook, or have an Instagram account, you do. Our Take 5 with RBC series continues today with an information-filled interview about how to manage your digital assets after you're not around to manage them. Estate planning has never been like this. Thank you so much for coming by to start season two with me. I'm still your go-to grandma. I'm still Kathy Buckworth. And I hope you're still pouring yourself a coffee, a tea, or even a glass of celebratory champagne as we kick off another 52 episodes of fun and facts as usual. Tori Halpin is up next. Tori Halpin is a mom of two boys. With a background in child education, she prides herself on being up to date with the latest research-based parenting strategies. Her Instagram page is a one-stop shop for parents to learn and feel empowered. Good morning, Victoria, or Tori Halpin, as you are called now. Thanks for coming on your mom's radio show. Thanks. Happy to be here. This is the first episode of season two, and I thought we're going to start right at the beginning here. And we're going to talk about how can grandparents be really helpful with a newborn in the house the minute that baby comes home. And I was fortunate enough to be that grandma both times with Owen and Cam. So we're going to get into it here. I think I was pretty helpful, but let's go through your checklist and let's see if I was. So (laughs) is taking the baby from you being super helpful? It must be, right? Yes and no. So you think it would be. It's a weird time, I think, especially as a new mom where you crave moments like just yourself and you think, I wish someone else would hold the baby. But then as soon as someone takes it from you, it's another kind of stress where you're like, (laughs) oh, wait, give me my baby back. (laughs) Yep, yep. So yes and no. So just make sure you ask. And I think even going a step further and instead of saying, can I hold the baby, which is very nice instead of just grabbing, but saying whenever you're ready, I'd love to hold the baby, something like that. Mm. So then the new mom can just have a chance to get those last cuddles, whatever it is, and then decide when they are ready without feeling pressured into it. But overall, yes, it is helpful, uh, but just make sure you ask. 
Yeah, I think that's great advice. And just say, or whenever you're ready, I'm here waiting. Like, just ask me and I'll take the baby instead of just grabbing. Exactly. The other thing that you did, which was really helpful, was you sort of told me and we arranged together set times where you would actually take the baby out of the house, which is a very good mental break for me. So I think at first, I mean, you came over every day because you were lovely. Um, <laughs> you would just take him out of the house every single day, like right after like his second nap, you take him out for like 30, 60 minutes. And I just knew that I would have that time to myself every day to like have a shower, lie in bed, have a nap, whatever it was. And then when he was a bit older, I think it was like every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon, you would come and you would take the toddler, something like that. So it was nice for both of us, I think just to know when that set time was going to happen. Yeah, you know I'm a scheduler, sometimes an overscheduler, but it helped me too, right? And I had work and it helped you. And I think that's an important thing. Just don't say, whenever you need me to come and get the baby, because then either it doesn't happen or everybody's like, well, when is it? Like, I have stuff to do. Or as you said, you could emotionally get prepared to have a nap if you needed to. Yeah, and then oftentimes you're not saying yes, because you, yeah. you can do it, or you're waiting until your breaking point. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and you really need them to come. Okay, so what about, is it helpful to clean when I'm Yes, there? oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Cleaning is helpful. Do whatever you can. Take out the garbage, wash bottles, whatever it is. The thing that is not helpful is to talk about how much you've cleaned, to say how messy the house is. We know how messy our house is with a new baby. Yeah. So don't do it for the price. Just do it. Just be done with it. And that's incredibly helpful. Good point. And even if I think, well, I'm maybe not using the right garbage bag or maybe they don't do it this way. Who cares, right? Just unload the dishwasher and get it done. Exactly. Who cares? Who cares? What about taking on some of the emotional labor? Yes. Okay. So whether it's your first child and you're just so stressed because it's all new or your second and third and it's double and triple the work, there's just a lot to do. So emotional labor is, I guess it's the difference between knowing your kids have a doctor's appointment and just getting them in the car and going. Emotional labor would be knowing you need the appointment, scheduling the appointment, figuring what time you have to leave, everything you have to do up until to get you to that point, push the baby's nap a little, wash the bottle, link in the eat. All of those things are just emotional labor, and there's just so much that goes into the day. So any little thing that you can do is just going to take it off your plate. So it could be something like noticing the diapers are low and refilling them from another spot in the house. Or if they're completely out, if you're able to, maybe it's buying new diapers. Mm -hmm. If you can't, totally fine. Maybe it's letting them know so they can order more. Maybe it's taking out the garbage, ordering dinner, making dinner, washing those bottles. That one's key for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I hate washing bottles. Washing those bottles. All of those little things that can keep a house running, that can just take some of that mental stress off of them. And like we said before, don't do it for the praise. Yep. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And it's noticing those things. Like you say, all oh, the diaper supplies getting low, you know, looking at that. Even your own supplies, going, oh, I've noticed you don't actually have any hand soap in the bathroom or whatever it is. Like just those little exactly. things that are taking up so much time for everybody to do. And I, I agree with the ordering groceries, making dinner. Just do it. Don't, you know, say, should I make you guys something tonight? Just do it and drop it off, right? And just exactly. be done with it. So one topic that we talk about a lot on this show, but also you and I have talked about a lot, is the unsolicited advice, which grandparents love to give. It's 99% of the time well-meaning, as we know, but it doesn't always come across that way. So what do we do with our advice? How do we share it? Should we share it? What do you think? Well, I can imagine that must be hard because, I mean, in your case, you've raised four kids and I was on my first. And so it must have been, you were very good at this, but it must have been hard, I think, sometimes not to just step in and be like, oh, you don't need to worry so much about this or you should try it like this or things like that. But you never said any of that to me. And it was very helpful, unless it's a safety concern. Mm -hmm. Just do what they tell you to do. I know for myself, I was incredibly strict about sleep. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I would tell you, if you were watching him, I would say, you need to wake him up at 3.36. Yep. And it was 
so important to me that it was not 335. It was not 340. It was 336. Yep. And looking back on that, now that I have my second, I'm like, wow, that was nice. I should have calmed down. <laughs> but it was so important to me. And it would not have been helpful to me if you had been sort of breaking the trust that we had together. So whatever they are stressed about, whatever is important to them, just do it and don't question it. And it doesn't matter. And if you're doing things that you think are silly or you don't think are important, it doesn't matter. It's not your kid and you're there to support your child and yep. let them be silly. <laughs> no, and I agree. And I, you know, when you were going through and you've obviously talked about this a lot on your Instagram page, your struggles with breastfeeding. I mean, I had a similar story, not the same. And I thought, no, I'm not going to, you know, you have to have your own journey, right? So me saying this is what I did isn't especially helpful because you're having your own path, right? So, and the same with, I think, um, when you talk about the no TV before too, which is obviously a big topic that you talk about. I mean, people say to me, but you put it on for him, right? When he's at your house, I'm like, no, I don't like she actually trusts me with his life so I'm going to give her that trust back and not letting him watch TV until he's two you know so you're right sometimes I'm like what's the harm but it's okay I'm listening to you right yeah and sometimes you would text me like maybe Thomas yeah, maybe <laughs> Thomas you're like, like no <laughs> <laughs> but you would say okay and move on and you wouldn't stress about it or make me feel guilty about it you just move on with your life and your day and do everything else that you wanted to do with them yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's not to say that you're right. Sometimes biting your tongue is hard. But I always say, you know, in these conversation circles that we have, I have certain conversations with you. And then I have my own friends, right, where I can say, well, I thought this was a little bit funny or this is whatever. That's who I have those conversations with, right, if I need to get it off my chest or with my husband. So that's where that happens, right, not sort of in your face. I think that's important to remember, too. It's okay to feel that. Just you don't need to share it. Exactly. So, yeah, sometimes we just need to just not say these things out loud to you, but just keep it to ourselves or share it with friends over a glass of wine or something like that. What we can share is, of course, your Instagram account, which is Tori Halpin, and that's T-O-R-Y-H-A-L-P-I-N. You share loads of great advice on intentional parenting, gentle parenting, how you're raising my grandsons. So thanks so much for being on the show, uh, Tori or Victoria. It's great having you back. Thank you so much for having me. Dee Dee Moore is the mother of four and grandmother of three. Her 20-plus years as a military wife convinced her she can do anything she sets her mind to. So when she became a grandmother and couldn't find a website with the kind of resources she wanted, she started one. Dee Dee founded More Than Grand as a way to share inspiration and resources for grandparents who understand the importance of their new role and want to invest in strengthening family bonds. Dee covers topics that matter to grandparents and parents, such as concrete ways to help new parents understanding new trends in childcare and meaningful ways to connect with your grandchildren. Good morning, Dee Dee Moore. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much, Kathy. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love your website, and you and I have exchanged comments and thoughts on grandparenting philosophies over Instagram and chat, and I think we're pretty much in line. But I wanted to talk to you about what should grandparents do to prepare for this new role of grandparent? I think you have a checklist. I would love if you could take me through that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's really helpful to have a little little guide anytime you start a new role. Mm-hmm. And I think so many grandparents go into it with really no idea of what they should be doing. Just as you wouldn't go into a new job without making some effort to get to know the coworkers and what the expectations are. It's a good idea when you become a grandparent to take a little time to prepare for that. So my checklist includes things about getting yourself ready, the things you should think about as far as what sort of grandparent you want to be. It includes a section on working with the parents, finding out what they want out of you and and 
what sort of support they're going to need. And then it also talks about what you might need to get for your house. I mean, if your grandchild is going to be visiting, there are some things you're going to need, and there are a lot of things you don't need. So it covers that. And then the last part that it covers in the checklist is money. Mm. A lot of grandparents want to support their grandchildren but find themselves either unable to do so or they start something with the first grandchild that they realize (laughs) they can't. Yeah. keep up when it's suddenly they're on grandchild number eight. Right, right, yeah. So it covers that too. And it's just just a quick way to get in the right mindset for this new role. Yeah, and I think one of the important things you pointed out there was sharing the expectations with the parents. Like, what do, do they expect? Or they're like, oh, we just thought you could babysit every weekend. Or, you know, we thought we'd only see you once a month or whatever it is, you know. So you want to lay those expectations. Exactly. Because yeah. I think I agree with you that we don't get a guide or a book for this, just like we didn't with parents. Right. So this is like it's a whole other relationship. Absolutely. And speaking of whole other relationships, like how is being a grandparent different than it was 30 years ago? Well, you know, so much has changed. We have so much more research now about how important the role of grandparent is to a child. Mm -hmm. Um, We know now that having a grandparent in their life can really improve a child's mental well-being for their lifetime. So we know now how important it is. And then the other part is that parenting is so much harder than mm-hmm. it was 30 years ago. Uh, with the pressure from social media, current you know, parental burnout from the pandemic, mm-hmm. the state of child care, at least in you know, the United mm-hmm. States, all of these things make parenting a lot harder, which means that the grandparent can be a much bigger source of support than they have been in the past. And grandparents now want to be more involved. So it's more important for grandparents and parents to work together than ever before. I think so, too. I think on all of those points, and I think the point about social media is super relevant because there's so much. I mean, we always got judged as new moms when our kids were little, but that was just someone at the grocery store saying your baby needs a blanket. This is like hundreds and thousands of people online saying what and being really nasty about it. So, yeah, I think that's a lot of extra pressure. Absolutely. And I think grandparents underestimate how hard that is and how much, you know, if grandparents are coming in and adding another layer of Mm -hmm. judgment, which is probably not their intention, but that's the way it comes across to the parent, parents are going to be even more defensive about the choices that they're making. So it's even more important for grandparents to be aware of what the latest trends are, to be aware of of what they're, you know, that is considered the latest in, in, um, safety, mm-hmm. research, etc. Yeah, so you touched on one about trying not to come across as judgmental. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see or hear about most grandparents making? You know, there's really just one mistake, and that is not listening to parents. Uh, huh? uh, no, matter what, <laughs> no matter what it comes across as, the parents are telling you they are, you know, whether they're doing it directly or they're doing it, you know, kind of from the side, they're letting you know when you are doing something that's problematic. And it's important to check in with them by asking them, okay, what what am I doing that you'd like me to stop doing? What would you like me to start doing? And what can I continue doing? Ask them questions and listen. 
Mm-hmm. That's the biggest issue is being able to listen, to hear what they're saying and respect what they've asked you to do. And this is why you and I connect on Instagram, because I share the exact same philosophy. I always say the parents hold the keys to the grandkid kingdom. So guess what? You got to be nice to the gatekeeper. <laughs> and you have to, you know, if you do have opinions on things that they're doing, you share those with your friends. <laughs> you know, you yeah, uh, you listen to your kids 100 percent. Absolutely. They really, you know, parents have a, a hard role and it's it's not fair for grandparents to make that harder. It's not. And your website is just so full of great advice, including that new grandparent checklist, which everybody should go and download and print off before they get that new grandchild in their <laughs> life. And uh, we can find you, uh, at, of course, at morethangrand.com, but also a uh, same title on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you share loads, especially on Instagram. I love all the posts that you do there in terms of uh, how we need to, you know, be a, a valuable part of our grandkids' lives. It's, it's really terrific, Dee. I, I really love it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show today, uh, for being on episode 54, which is the first show of our new season, which is so exciting. Thanks for joining us today. We're starting at the beginning with the new grandchild checklist, and we're going from there. Thanks so much, Didi. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Kathy. Take care. As vice president of the professional practice and tax group at RBC Royal Trust, Tracy Wu leads the technical, legal, and tax expertise for trust and estate matters, as well as a team of in-house accounting and tax professionals. Prior to joining RBC, Tracy practiced corporate tax law at a national law firm. She graduated from Queen's University with a Bachelor of Commerce degree and obtained her Bachelor of Law from Osgoode Hall Law School. Tracy sits on the steering committee of the Global STEP Digital Assets Special Interest Group, and more recently, she has obtained her Trust and Estate Practitioner designation. Digital assets. We're going to look at the importance of estate planning for digital assets and why it's important to not overlook them. So, Tracy, technology has certainly changed the way we live our lives. We spend an increasingly greater amount of our time socializing, shopping, and transacting online. What exactly are digital assets? And why should I create a digital legacy as part of my estate plan? So when it comes to digital assets, there's no universal legal definition. But in general terms, digital assets include electronic records, such as emails, digital photos, or videos, including any information or records stored on social media accounts or any other type of online account, such as an online banking account. Cryptocurrency, loyalty points, and any other intangible asset stored digitally also fall under this broad definition of digital assets. Now, from an estate planning perspective, I think of digital assets as being divided into three buckets. The first bucket being those with sentimental value, such as family photos or videos. The second bucket being those that carry financial value, such as cryptocurrency or loyalty points. And third, the final bucket being those that provide the executor or family members with access to valuable information required to administer your estate. And so examples of that would include emails, banking or health records stored on an online account. Now, as our digital footprint continues to grow, so does the importance of planning for your digital legacy. If you want to ensure that your executor and your loved ones have access to your digital assets after you pass away. Currently, there is no legislation in most provinces in Canada governing how an executor of your estate can access your digital assets on your death. And to further complicate matters, The terms of service for many online service providers, such as Facebook, Google, or Twitter, make it very difficult for executors or family members to access any information stored on their sites without any pre-planning steps undertaken prior to death. 
And even then, when pre-planning steps are taken, it could still potentially be a challenge for your executor to access um, your digital assets. And so for all these reasons, it's important to create a digital legacy as part of your estate plan because it's the best way of ensuring your wishes for your digital assets are fulfilled and your executor and loved ones are able to access your digital assets, be it of financial or sentimental value, that you intend to pass on to them. Okay, so this may feel like a daunting task to some. What steps do you recommend that will help ensure one's digital legacy is handled the way they want it to be? So there's several steps I would recommend taking. First off, I would recommend taking an inventory of your digital assets and following, you know, your listing of all of the digital assets you own. I'd identify the five to 10 digital assets that are the most important to you and focus on how you want those assets to be treated upon your death. So for example, do you want them destroyed? Do you want them transferred? Or do you want that online account closed? I would also take advantage of any online planning tools offered by some of the more popular digital service providers. For example, Google has a pre-planning tool called Inactive Account Manager, where you can instruct Google in advance to either delete your data or to share your Google account information with a named individual after a specific period of inactivity on the account. Another step I would recommend taking is to review your will with your state's lawyer and to ensure that your executor is given express authority to administer digital assets in your will. I'd also let a trusted individual know about your intentions for your digital assets after you pass away. And this person is someone who can help implement your digital assets plan after your death. The trusted individual could be your spouse, a friend, a family member, or your executor. When the time comes to administer these assets, this is the individual who can help deactivate or memorialize certain online accounts if you've listed them in any service provider's planning tools. Where the trusted individual is not your executor, this person can also act as a liaison to your executor to help ensure that any digital assets with value can be accessed easily. Another tip I'd recommend is to consider saving any digital assets of value that you would like shared with loved ones and beneficiaries onto a hard drive or to use an online file or photo sharing service between you and your loved ones so that access to these photos and other valuable digital assets will not be interrupted or lost following your death. And last but not least, like every good estate plan, I would talk to your loved ones and discuss your digital asset planning regularly. I'd also set up a calendar reminder to remind yourself to review and update your digital assets inventory on a regular basis. So what is the one thing about planning for your digital legacy from our conversation today that you would like people to take away? I think the key takeaway is, again, to emphasize that it's just really critical to take an inventory of your digital assets on a regular basis. I recently read a statistic that the average American has 150 online accounts, which is a lot of accounts to administer or navigate. So it would be very helpful for your executor and your loved ones to close any accounts that you no longer use and to keep an up-to-date list of your digital assets of most value, including their location and how they may be accessed. I take advantage of any online pre-planning tools available by various online account providers. And although the legislation remains uncertain and technology continues to evolve, these steps will go a long way to ensuring your wishes for your digital assets are fulfilled. Wow, it's a lot to take in and a lot to consider. I really appreciate you breaking it down like that for us. And if we want more information, of course, we can go to rbc.com slash Royal Trust. Thanks so much for your time today, Tracy. Thanks again. Take care. What do I love about being a grandma banana? Well, silly things like being called a grandma banana and his granddude is granddude. But I think what I love most is that when our daughter died and her son was just seven months old, she left with us this beautiful gift. 
and we're watching over him as I know that she is. And when he has a sleepover, I sneak into his room and I kiss him on his forehead. And I think that's for Lauren. So that's what being a grandma means to me. A gift that keeps giving. Ah, Erin Davis, one of my earliest guests on the show, sharing her very special, unique, and touching journey as a grandparent. You can go back to Season 1 and hear Erin on Episodes 6, and then again on Episode 45, when she is joined by her husband, Grand Dude Rob. Thanks to Tori and Dee Dee for leading us through the newborn world this morning, one which is so special for grandparents to experience in line with their kids' wishes. I hope I'm even better prepared for another grandchild, should another one come my way. I'm ready. Next week, we talk about a more challenging type of newborn grandchild experience, that of the prematurely born baby. Jack Hurrigan's daughter was born three and a half months too soon, and Jack tells us how her life changed forever and how grandparents can really help and not hinder in this situation. Then we take it over to the dads as Mohit Rajan's digital expert, dad of three, and host of dadspotting.com takes us on a journey to the relatively unknown that of artificial intelligence is going to tell us how we are seeing AI, as the kids call it, more and more in our lives. And our Take 5 with RBC interview shines the spotlight on yet another inspiring second act, which involves stepping away from the desk and on to the water. I'm glad you came by today, and please feel free to peruse the first season of Go To Grandma on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or almost anywhere you find your podcasts. We add a new one every Tuesday. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Our producer is Kelly Robotham. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter, at Kathy Buckworth, or email her, kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.